Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And good morning, all, and welcome to the Falcons podcast. I'm your host, Scott Kennedy. I will be joined shortly by Nick Kendall, but he's in Seattle, so we give him a few extra minutes, bright and early on this morning. How high can they get? Well, I think they're about as high as they're going to get. Why do I think that? Because the Arizona Cardinals are about as bad a team as there is in football right now. I think the Falcons win this one. Then they got a chance to beat the Buccaneers at home. They really do. So we will see how that one goes. But they do have a chance to beat the Buccaneers for a Team building, as far as personnel goes, 6-11, and 11, you'd be better off. 7-10, and 10, got you the eight pick last year. With a, with a win and knocking Tom Brady out of the playoffs, that might be worth it. You know what's always worth it, though, is my friend Nick Kendall coming in from Seattle. Like I said, we are coast-to-coast. Coast. Nick, how are you doing this morning, my friend? I am doing pretty well. Uh, Wicked never rests, right? So it's been busy in Broncos country trying to keep up with that and beginning the undecorating process, and we had that Massive windstorm uh, yesterday out here in Seattle. Our power went out for a little bit, um, but not as bad as I think I have some friends on the west side of Seattle that are still without power. So uh, luckily, um, sitting here and warm <laughs> with with uh, heat on and lights on and everything. So feeling well, I grateful. Missed you. I got off to kind of a rough start this morning. So apologies okay. to everybody. I was uh, I was scrambling, just uh, running just a couple minutes late and stuff in the background. Very unprofessional of me. So it's good to good to bring the pro in. Let's say good morning to some other folks in the chat as well michael coming in first one in as usually says good morning scott and nick on the falcons podcast good morning michael joe cannon always joining us on facebook thank you very much says great morning scott and nick keith robbins is in and it looks like keith has a new picture there looks like a little christmas picture opening some presents yeah. love it albert knoppers how are you doing my friend love it good to see you in here and brennan comes in also he has one of our first questions that i like uh, he says, honestly, Anthony Richardson could be such a fun pick due to us being a run-first team. Perhaps we trade down for him or draft an edge and then trade up late in the first. I hope he falls to our second. And it is very interesting. Another thing that makes that a uh, an interesting pick is unless you use Desmond Ritter as a package to trade up, you've got a decent quarterback competition there with two, rook- two cost-controlled rookies battling it out. And, you know, Nick, I know you always like to say, man, I'm doing the the Nick Saban way. I'm just going to keep taking quarterbacks until I get the right one. It's worth it. I mean, if you like the guy and they're talented and you're unsure about your room right now um, and you, the guy falls to you that you want to are interested in at all, swing. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that obviously it's maybe a little bit simplified there because of the power dynamics and the locker room dynamics and whatnot, but listen, if that guy that you're bringing in or the guy that you already have cannot handle the competition, yeah, I think I already learned something about him that uh, I'm going to use to go with the other guy. So uh, I'm, I'm not against it. I don't know if if you like Richardson so much, I don't know if you're going to trade down because uh, if you like him enough to take him uh, at this point, you're probably liking him enough to not risk losing him by trading down uh, the times that you see. You're like, I like a guy enough, but not so much that I take him. It's the just to use a personal anecdote, uh, the Broncos with Drew Locke. Oh, they like him. They'll take him at 10. No, trade uh, trade down. Take Okay, now they're at 20. No, they don't take him there. Okay, the second round pick, well, maybe they'll take him there. No, first they'll take Dalton Reisner, and then then they take Drew Locke. Okay, we loved you, Drew. Well, you passed on him three times. Um, so um, that's the one that comes to mind for me. But I, I think Richardson's a that fat, uh, fascinating prospect just because the talent is almost and Cam Nick, Newton. Real quick, real quick, because I don't want to get into the habit of pretending like everybody knows these guys like the back of their hands like we do. Um, okay. Brennan, the Anthony Richardson, I should have I should have introed this to begin with. 
Anthony Richardson is an uh, a uber-athletic quarterback from the University of Florida. Lots of tools, a bit raw. I have advocated that he probably would have been better off and probably made more money going back to Florida. You know, the, the old joke was, you know, why didn't they? Why didn't these guys ever leave early? It's because they didn't want to take a pay cut. That's true for some of these guys these days. Mm-hmm. If you're, you know, with the NIL money and the compensation packages that you are now allowed to get in college football, and I'm pleased for, Anthony Richardson could make more money as a starting quarterback of a team like Florida, which is one of the top 10 marketable teams in the country, um, and play every down than he might get as far as money-wise and playing time in the NFL. Well, at this point, it makes more sense to play with the Florida Gators one more year, Nick. Unless he got information that the league likes him more than what the general draft media consensus is. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he went top 10 uh, just because the traits are that phenomenal. I mean, he's one of the toolsiest quarterbacks to come out of the draft since Josh Allen. Now, that doesn't make him the best quarterback to come out, mm-hmm. but as far as the open field speed, the size that he has, what he's 6'4", 235, and then the arm talent. I mean, he can throw he can throw it 70 yards flat-footed with a flick of a wrist. I mean, he it, it's unbelievable, but he's super erratic. Mm-hmm. His processing is not great. For being how good he is as an athlete, I think his zone read game is not the best right now. His decision-making in that and how he hides the ball is not always the best. So he's, I mean, he's still a little bit off. But He's a prospect, he loved, which makes him interesting for Atlanta because they have have a quarterback that they can roll with for a year or so in Desmond Ritter yeah. if they decide to go that direction. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he's just, he's really an interesting player. Now, I have always said that I believe when it's gotten from where we are, we have to go with what we can see tangibly, which is the arm talent and the tools and the technique. But that's one reason I was more on, you know, Justin Fields and some people. (laughs) That's why I'm a moron. No, that's uh, (laughs) like Justin Fields versus the likes of Mac Jones or not really in on, let's say, who was a Carson Strong this last drive cycle, where he's like, this guy can't move in the pocket. I, I want the superhero traits to take a guy in the first round. It's one reason I'm not as big on CJ Stroud and maybe even Bryce Young with the size and the okay arm talent. Um, but the big, it's a, we can, that's the tangible two of the three for quarterback evaluation for me is the intangibles. It's mm-hmm. the intelligence and it's the work ethic. Like I need a guy to be a psychopath worker uh, to want to, you hear these guys succeeding. And the most recent example, a lot of people point to Josh Allen, but I mean more, even more recent than that is Jalen hurts. Good athlete, solid arm, good good build. The dude is extremely intelligent, and nobody on that team hyper sounds like hyperbole, but like nobody on that team works harder than him. Like he needs to be the best and work. Like some people need air, um, and that's if you can get all three of those, that's the magic formula. I want to uh, say hello to some folks in the chat. We'll hit on this, <clears throat> hit on this some more. We can talk Justin Fields all day, and where I thought I'm, I'm not even sure it's pro- uh, you know. Uh, the cerebral wise, you know, he's so much more athletic. You know, it's like that blonde. Well, she can't be smart. Yeah, she is. <laughs> he's so athletic. He can't be smart. Yeah, yeah, he is. He, he is. Um, Billy Jenk coming in. Appreciate you coming in on uh, a lot of the comments. Enjoy having the conversation with you on, on YouTube, Billy. He says, uh, is Sean Payton going to be the Falcons coach next year? I can... I almost never say never or speak in complete absolutes, and this is as close as I'm going to get is no effing way. No way. Arthur Smith will be the head coach of this team next year, and and he's earned it. Arthur Smith has done a good job in a crap situation, um, despite some of the people coming in and, and hitting my YouTube comments and saying, you're out of your mind. This guy sucks. He should be doing better. Yeah, there's there's absolutely. And I had a great comment Um you know, listen to different things. And it was a lot of it was team building. I mean, he, it was it was a really good conversation that we had. And I said, hey, I'll, I'll agree with you on most of these things. I wouldn't have taken Kyle Pitts. I would have taken Justin Fields. I wouldn't have taken a pass catcher when I had no off, my offensive line was in question. My quarterback was in question. And Drake London. How they handled Matt Ryan, I think that was owner-driven. How they handled Matt Ryan was a bit disgraceful. Uh, going after Deshaun Watson, all those things. I agree. I agree. The end of the day, though, it's a results-based business. Yes, the win losses aren't necessarily there yet, but with a ninety million dollar available cap, my expectations weren't that high. And I think this team is playing above where its talent was. They made a few mistakes here and there, yeah, absolutely. But from a thirty thousand foot view, when I'm looking down, I'm saying this team is in a good position for twenty twenty three. Now my expectations will rise significantly higher this year. I expect this team to hit five hundred or better in 2023 based on the available money 
You know, I, I got a question that or a comment. Well, the, the Jaguars turned it around. What the Jaguars spend in free agency last year? A bleep ton. Almost two hundred million. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it smashed the record set by the Patriots the previous year. Yeah. Um, so that's the cycle. They had a, they had four straight losing seasons and the draft picks to go with them, including the quarterback. That's a big one. And $175 million in free agent money. The Falcons have had two really high draft picks in the classes that go with it. And frankly, the returns on those picks have been really good. I've been pretty pleased with the draft um, down the line. Now they've got the money. So let's take that next step. But Sean Payton, even if Arthur Smith, even if I didn't think he was, if he was on the hot seat at all, <clears throat> Sean Payton wasn't coming here. Sean Payton's going out to LA. That's what it seems like. Uh, We'll be interested to see if any L.A. spots open uh, right now. Obviously, there was some talk about the Chargers there for a bit. Would they get rid of Brandon Staley after making the playoffs with two games to go and the amount of injuries they had this season? I don't know. Uh, who's to say? Were they I nine guess. and six? I think they're nine and six. They but they finish, have a, yeah, they could finish eleven and six. Then you're not. You're, then you're not firing Brandon Staley. And they have they finished the last game at Denver, uh, probably to an empty stadium. So they finishing firing him after ten wins with the injuries they had this year. I I don't know. Um, Albert Knopper is coming in saying morning, Nick. Good morning to you, Albert. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for joining us today. We got Nathan Floyd coming in morning guys. Oh man. I'm excited for that Georgia Ohio state game. That's coming up here. Um, Kenneth Booker saying good morning, fellas. Good to see you, Kenneth rocking the uh, Patrick Sertan one. And we got Albert Knopper saying, are the Falcons looking for a new head coach as well? Absolutely not. Uh, no. Arthur Smith. He's one of the more, I think he's doing almost as much with less compared to any court coach in the NFL right now with the scheme. Now, He's got to be a coach on both sides of the ball, and the defense looks not great, but the defense is lacking so much talent that it's even hard to like have any sort of take on that until you get some guys in there. So definitely not. Uh, Arthur Smith has been good in Atlanta. The defense, I won't say has been ignored, but relatively speaking to the offense and, and where they've put what you could call available resources into it, um, it's been neglected. You know, it's not like it's it's not like a bunch of free agent money has gone into the offense either. But you know, fourteen million dollars of Marcus Mariota would have spent nicely on the defense on three players. You could have upgraded your your whole defensive backfield for fifteen million. Um, but no, they're not looking for a head coach. But this is a year where we're going to see a lot of new faces on this team. Of uh, everybody on this team was either on a rookie contract, except for Grady Jarrett, I think, and Cordero Patterson was either on a rookie deal or a one year deal. It is going to be a fantastic offseason for following the Atlanta Falcons if you enjoy the general manager aspects of it. Nathan Floyd says everyone in Atlanta will fall in love with Richardson. He looks like a Vic clone to me. Nathan, I've used another one, and it was a little bit simpler because he wore a Florida Gators uniform for a while. But with his size and his athleticism, dude, it's Cam Newton. Yeah, you know, he's bigger um, than Vic. From, from Westlake, an Atlanta kid. Uh, right down by the airport is where Cam grew up and played ba uh, basketball and football. Um, he he is much, much closer to Cam to me. And Cam could fly. I mean, Cam was yeah. a, you, you, you saw what Cam was. Cam was a 4'4 guy at 240 pounds, um, yep. mid 4'4s. It's just he was so long. He never, and Vic was still faster. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, Vic was ridiculous <laughs> as far as his burst and stuff. But, very different. If I'm if I'm going physical comps, Cam Newton is the easy one for me. Yep. And again, the tan the tangible stuff is obvious. The, it's going to come down to the intangibles for Anthony Richardson, and he did you did see improvement uh, from him this last season. So, will be interesting. Will Levis is going to be potentially the first quarterback taken because he's the combination of the tools, and people seem to love the person Will Levis. Uh, I wouldn't use that pick on him. But I mean, there's questions about CJ Stroud's athleticism and ability to handle pressure and Bryce Young. I mean, how many quarterbacks with Bryce Young's size have worked out in the NFL? And I can think of Russell Wilson and I can think of Kyler Murray. He's not I the athlete. Drew Brees, who's thicker. You yeah. know, Russell and Drew Brees are thicker. Yeah. Um, Matt Stafford's not huge. He's bigger than that, though. He's six. Like, he's six three or so. Six two. Andy yeah. Dalton, I don't think is all that big. Has been a decent pro, but he never scratched the surface to me of what I thought um, Bryce Young was. You know, a decent a, a, a decent comp there is is almost Colt McCoy. And when I was watching Colt McCoy, I had a discussion. You know, I've said before, just because these guys played in the league doesn't really mean they know what they're looking for. I was doing NFL draft analysts. And I was, 
talking behind the scenes with a former player and he's talking about Colt McCoy. They actually got me on air. I'm like, no, it'd be ridiculous to use a first round pick for him. Are you kidding? They're like, why? I'm like, because he's undersized and underarmed. That's a bad combination. Bryce Young's not underarmed. And he and he, yeah. Colt Colt McCoy could flat out run. I mean, he he could he probably ran for close to two thousand yards at Texas. He was a really good athlete. He just didn't have the arm. Yeah. Bryce Young's undersized, but he does have the arm. And I, I still think he's got a little bit more of that moxie to him and yeah. that off script ability to make a play that I just like like I said, when we're chalking up the it factor or what's the rating you give on him, man, he pegs it. Yeah, he's he's so interesting because he almost plays like on his tiptoes to see over the line of scrimmage and his feet <laughs> instead of like the classic, like, you know, drop back shoulders sideways and then squaring up. He almost drops back like with the shoulders parallel to the line of scrimmage and still makes it right. But it's just there's it's a it's an oddness uh, to his game compared to what you see from the you know, the classic drop back passer. And you're totally right. He makes magic happen. Uh, keeping plays alive. Great vision. Um, there are questions, and be- of course. Yep. And because of the also because of the height and him playing on his tiptoes, he doesn't always use his base to generate power on his throws, um, which so there I think there is some power to be untapped there on his throws. But can he do that while also still seeing over the line of scrimmage? Because it's kind of his style right now to play on those tiptoes and whip the ball when you don't have a totally uh, set base. So uh, he's he's a really interesting player. Um, Quarterbacks as much intangibles and intelligence as it is traits and tools. So he could go number one overall. It just would feel rather unprecedented given. I don't think he has the Kyler Murray level package of arm talent and athleticism mm-hmm. on top of being super short and uh, skinny. Like I, he's going to yeah. be 10 pounds lighter than the smallest quarterback ever drafted in the first round. Significant. It's funny. I start, when we started thinking of guys like that, you know, Doug Flutie came to mind. I'm like, you know, a, a better comp for Doug Flutie would be Michael Vick. I mean, if you ever, you, you probably didn't see Doug Flutie play, but Doug Flutie was a, could run. I mean, he was Michael Vick light, a little bit smaller, a little bit slower. Then he could also throw the ball 80 damn yards. I mean, he had a cannon for an arm in this little package. So, you know, he didn't, Bryce Young wouldn't have that type of arm strength that even Doug Flutie had. Doug Flutie had a howitzer. He'd be one of those if he was a pitcher. You're like, wait, he's 5'10", throwing 95. How does that happen? Uh, one of the guys. Kenny has a question. He says, you may know you may know some of this. And Jalen Carter, notwithstanding, after uh, Todd McShay did his best to slander him on ESPN for character concerns, where the entire University of Georgia and all of its players and student body took to social media and said, uh, do one, McShay. Um, who are the most talented guys with baggage in the upcoming draft? Like uh, a Kayvon Thibodeau, again, manufactured baggage. Uh, Reuben Foster, uh, he had a little bit. And Tyron Matthew, he had a little bit. Which player in the upcoming draft would you take a chance on? Are there some guys out there? And I would I would throw somebody out there rather than, than Kayvon. And I know you were just typing off the top of your head, but Micah Parsons had baggage. Mm. Micah Parsons fits into this category for me better than someone like, like Thibodeau. Reuben Foster had been concussed so many times, I was worried he'd ever play again. Uh, when we start talking CTE and stuff, um, and that goes back to high school. I mean, he's one of the best high school football football players I've ever seen at 245, 40 pounds. He, he was a weapon, and he'd been concussed so many times that I thought that he may just be a special teams guy for Alabama until it all kind of fed in for him. Um but any of those guys fit that bill for you this year that, that are coming out? Uh, another one just historically that it comes to mind is Robert Camdiche. You know, had multiple incidents at Ole Miss with top five well, level talent. Randy Moss, Warren Sapp. We yeah, can yeah. talk about all well, There's There's, <laughs> there's, there's hundreds of them, of course. Yeah. I mean, Randy uh, but Moss, I've, Warren Sapp, you know, failed marijuana tests. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted really to use the their, example. Their, that really hurt their uh, NFL ability, didn't it? Yeah, but I th- you and you mentioned Reuben Foster, but I just wanted to use the example of Micah Parsons is one of the character concerns not hurting the player, and then you have Kibdichi where it kind of did. Or so that's mm-hmm. you, both ends. That's why these teams care about this stuff. Another one with bad baggage that uh, worked out. Jeffrey Simmons um, got in a fight where his sister was getting beat up, and he joined in and hit a female in a high school. And he's a you know he's still a monster of a man in high school, and that looked bad. I think he had a scholarship offered, pulled, and had to do some work to get back in good grace. And he's been great since then. But you know, one incident like that, uh, we can go on forever. Joe Mixon, blah blah blah. Um, one guy who stands out to me is uh, Mozzie Smith from Michigan. Uh, he's been a really talented defensive tackle for them. I think he was Bruce Feldman's number one freak uh, on his list this season. Just an incredible incredible athlete. He lacks length, 
Um, but he was arrested in, I want to say November and pled guilty to a misdemeanor uh, weapon charge. So uh, that's, it's avoiding criminal record. Uh, but that was one that, uh, that stands out for me so far. I haven't heard of many other ones that stand out, but I mean, if you get arrested for a weapons charge, um, then, and plead guilty, uh, then that's something to consider. Joe Cannon comes in and asks, uh, Nick, if Blake Corum does fall to day three, would he be an option for us then? Yeah, uh, he's talented enough that if he's Again, there, day let's th- not speak like everybody knows who he is. I don't know who he is. Okay. Uh, Blake Corum is the, was a Heisman candidate this season, and he's the running back from starting running back from Michigan. Okay. Uh, he's <laughs> doesn't have the world's best long speed. Uh, he's a little bit shorter, but he's compact. I think he, I want to say he's like, five nine 210 pounds sounds uh, familiar yeah i, I know a guy who doesn't have long speed breaks tackles and picks up a bunch of yards for the falcons i think he's far more sudden and elusive in the open field versus run tyler's guys bigger. Ty- tyler's yeah. bigger than five nine two ten he's he's yeah. he is a little bit bigger than that but again that balance and that ability to break tackles for me is always huge yeah and he's got tremendous quickness incredible vision uh, i think if it wasn't for the injury that he suffered um to and honestly, this is going to sound crazy. I think Michigan's backup quarterback is better than Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, but we'll talk about him a year from now. Uh, but Blake Corum is really talented running back. Um, you can use him in the pass game. He's not a weapon in the pass game, but you can get him the ball and he can do some things in space. If he falls to day three, mate, the caveat with this is if Blake Corum falls to day three, that means that a lot of teams flagged him and were concerned about the injury because he's a day two caliber running back. I can't see him falling to day three unless there are concerns around the league. So that's the the caveat on that. But um, he's really talented. Anthony Evans says, good morning, guys. And I got a feeling I know who he's rooting for in the college football playoffs with the uh, that, that cover up there. Looks like a Georgia fan to me. And he asked, should we be shopping Grady Jarrett for draft picks? Um, let me see. I think his dead cap hit next year would hurt. Uh, I'm going to answer this one very similarly to how I answer a lot of these types of questions. Shopping? No. Listening? Sure. So if Grady puts it out there, let's assume that Grady hasn't come to the team and said, move me or I'm not playing. That's not Grady's style. Uh, But let's just assume he's not requested a trade. Do you listen? Absolutely. I I listen to, I pick up the phone for everybody if, if you're being serious. Now it would have to be something pretty special. Um, he's got a $28 million dead, uh, dead cap hit against a $20 million cap hit. So, but his base salary is 16, five. So a trade would save you a bunch of money in it, in, 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 in the trade to save you 12 on 20 cap it. You'd save about $8 million. I think somewhere in that neighborhood, uh, on a straight up trade based on what else you might get. Should you listen? Absolutely. This team isn't next year away. They're not contenders in 2023. They're contenders for maybe eking into a wild card spot at nine and eight. That's possible. But I don't see this. I, I think that 2024, this team should be very interested. And have you missed Grady Jarrett's best years by then? Grady Jarrett could help a team win a Super Bowl next year. He could. Are you competing for a Super Bowl with Grady Jarrett next year? I don't think so. Love Grady Jarrett, one of my all-time favorite players. But if someone calls up and says, I'm going to give you a first and I'm going to pick up his whole contract, you listen. You absolutely listen, Nick. And he's been here for, you know, good and bad that uh, I would greatly care about what he wants. Uh, Mm -hmm. Do you want to stay? I mean, now that we're on the upward swing and we can actually get you some more competent front seven players to uh, hang around. Unbelievable. Hell yeah. Uh That's that's great. We love you, Grady. You're a great dude in the locker room, great dude in the community. Falcons for life. If it's listen, you know, we have a chance to ship you off to. God, I even hate to see it. Uh, Kansas City or the Chargers or somebody, you know, has an incredible quarterback that might be a piece away or something. Then um, and he says, oh, yeah, I, thank you, Falcons. Uh, you're the best. Love you. Always be a Falcon for life. And now that you're giving me an opportunity to go elsewhere, um, I would like to take that. Then I think that's a big thing you take into account, too. I don't think you're not going to get a first for Grady Jarrett at his age and his contract. Maybe you can get a second. I think it's more likely you get like a couple threes, that kind of thing, given where he is at in his career and the years left on his deal and also not playing the most premium position. The other thing is you can always use interior defensive line pass rushers, but with so many teams playing gap and a half up front, a lot less single gap kind of stuff. Uh, Grady Jarrett's three technique spot is just not many teams are using that kind of defense as much anymore. And he can be fine in the gap and a half, but 
lot of teams want those broader, bigger guys right now. So that way you can allocate less resources to the box to play more too high safety shells. Um, and a lot of teams are watching Grady Jarrett get up off of their offensive players in the backfield because they yeah. underestimated him and he's making plays. I mean, yeah, he's one of those, the, one of those exceptions that makes the rule. <clears throat> yeah. Like I get it, but he's, it, it's a different, he's yeah. better. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, man, I don't want a, a six foot, 305 pound defensive tackle. They don't pan out. Well, what about Grady Jarrett? Grady Jarrett's one in a million. I mean, there, there's not a lot of Grady Jarrett's out there. He's, yeah. He's he's special. He he's 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 different. Speaking just of special, Ryan about, comes in. Yeah. Good morning, Ryan. He says there will never be another Vic. Never say never, but oh man, I mean, fastest player on the field with uh, and people underestimate how strong and how good his arm was. Was his accuracy always where it should have been? No, but I, I had someone that that knew, who knew him ran into him. Tell me, it's I've got these skinny little wrists. I've broken all four of these bones. My wrists are so skinny. Says he had had wrists on him like tree trunks, like this. And I was like, well, that makes sense. I've always said the guy could go back there and you just see him just flick his wrist, and that ball would just effortlessly go 50, 50 yards down the field on a line. Just what an amazing, amazing talent Michael Vick was. He he doesn't get credit. I don't think I I I still think he's underrated as far as what he was able to do as a quarterback. He's not underrated as an athlete. He's underrated as a quarterback as for, for my, for my money. He is. Yeah. The closest thing has been Lamar Jackson. Um, yeah. Just as far as like <clears throat> do everything back there. Uh, Lamar has not the same level of arm talent, but an underrated or speed. I mean, I'm telling arm. you, Michael yeah. Vick about the only play. If, if, if Mike Vick took off in the open field, there's one player I've seen that I would put money on to catch him. And that's Deion Sanders. <laughs> I mean, I know there's other guys, but I'm talking about in our realm, the guys I watch day in and day out. Deion Sanders is the fastest football speed player I've ever seen, ever. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, forget the 40 times and all that type of stuff. I'm talking about throw a ball up there and go get it or chase a guy down. Deion was the guy. Yeah. Here's uh, a question. I asked, I, I asked this, uh, Kevin comes in. He says, when we were talking about Kyler Murray, has Kyler Murray really worked out though? Not to the extent that you'd want for number one overall pick. And that's another reason that a team took a really short quarterback that has to play in a specific system. And it hasn't worked out so well with the air raid quarterback, air raid coach. Now, granted, I think Cliff Kingsbury is way over his head. Uh, we can go back to the show's beginning of this year saying that who's the coach most likely to get fired for you. I'm like, oh man, Kingsbury for sure. This thing is going off the rails in Arizona. Um, but I would not say that he has totally worked out, but that might be a, a thing against, uh, the likes of and also with Russell right. Wilson and that's, falling I think that's Kevin's point you know you're making yeah. these comparisons you're like okay if his comp is Kyler is that what you want now I would argue that it's the Arizona Cardinals and it's a team game yeah and Kyler's numbers you know for a a team that was picking number one have been good you know especially when you throw in 2200 yards of rushing on there you know he throws for 3700 yards 3900 yards 3800 yards with a, a two to one touchdown to interception ratio and then rushes for 2,200 yards. Yeah. He's, and the other th he's been, he's been pretty good. And then he, you know, he's again, they were drafting number one overall. So they stunk, uh, goes to five and 10 goes to, you know, and then he makes the pro bowl the next two years yeah. for whatever that's worth. They named fifth alternates. Tyler Hunley is in line to make the, make the pro bowl right now. Yeah. Um, but he's put up really good numbers and I know it's stats based, blah, blah, blah. But I think Kyler Murray has been pretty darn good in this league. Yeah. Um, and if I'm looking at reasons why the Arizona Cardinals haven't taken that next step, I'm not pointing the finger at Kyler Murray right now. I'd, I'd, I'd start looking other other places. At least not his uh, on-the-field ability. Uh, there are some questions about his leadership and uh, you know having to put in that homework clause in his last contract and then getting clowned for it and taken out. Those are red flags. <laughs> no doubt about that. But uh, he's, yeah, he's a incredible athlete and fun player will be so really I brought curious this one up i brought this one up kenny uh for kenny's comment he says yeah they did doug flutie wrong by especially not even taking him at all it's like oh he's too short to play in the nfl send him to canada but he says especially when they started rob johnson over him that was up in buffalo i bring this up because it went click to click to click to answer a question that we were stuck on the other day it was rob johnson's dad was a coach uh in 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 Orange, in Orange County, Mission Viejo. And he was the Elite 11 coach for a long time out in California for student sports. 
which brought us to Carson Palmer. What the hell was his brother's name? Jordan Palmer. Jordan. It was Jordan who was working with the quarterbacks out there. So all those guys were part of the student sports Elite 11 Nike camp group. Um, Bob was the number one guy until um, Trent Dilfer basically came in and took over for better or for worse. You just were trading one gigantic ego for one gigantic ego with a bigger name. And just a quick shout out on that one, Jordan Palmer. I got to interview him a couple times. I uh, went to a few pro days in the Midwest and he was there working with some dudes. Uh, took the time to talk to me. So that was great. Um, appreciate him for that. And he's on a new podcast that he's doing with uh, Kyle Allen, another former highly rated recruit out there at Texas A&M called The Room. Uh, and it's been pretty interesting to kind of hear them talk about uh, the college game, quarterback development, the league, all the pressures of being a quarterback to work, uh, bringing in guys like Josh Allen, uh, Sam Darnold, uh, Cade McNamara, you know, some of these guys who are highly rated, uh, recruits and you know what that whole process is. So peeling back yeah, that Jordan was a good dude. Jordan, Jordan's a good, a good guy. Um, yep. you know, I don't, I, I will hack on some of the egomaniacs out there and other things. And, but I also want to make sure we're, we're paying attention to the, the good folks, uh, yep. that are out there doing, doing work like that and just enjoy the work. the work. Rob, we enjoy the work. Rob's coming. He says, happy hump day coming in from Nashville and Kevin, when we were talking about the, uh, the head coaching change says there's nothing wrong with our head coach. He doesn't need change. There's places he can improve. They all can. Um, but I would, I would absolutely back Arthur Smith going into the 2023 season. 100%. Is, is he going to get everything right? It's one of those I see all the time, you know, when we're, we're on these shows and you're having discussions and second guessing and someone comes in and is like, oh, I guess you know more than the coaches do, right? I'm like, listen, if we put 100 scenarios up there, I'm not going to get every single one of them wrong, and he's not going to get every single one of them right. If you're in here and your answer is trust the coaches or I guess you know more, just go away. This isn't for you. Um, so Kevin says, "Here's," uh, but I agree with Kevin here. I, I think Arthur, Arthur Smith's not going anywhere. He's he's not going anywhere. Yeah, and understandably so. He'd be a very hot coaching candidate if he was. Um, we have Joe Cannon coming in and say, I want to see Desmond Ritter, the starter next year. If he doesn't pan out, we'll probably end up with another high pick and be in better position to get Caleb Williams. You're not that bad, um, especially with the money that you're having here. You'd have to actively tear this team apart um, to go after Caleb Williams next year. Um, so I, this, I'm sorry, even if you Ritter would have to, if you put me at quarterback, then maybe we're having a conversation, but there's too much competency uh, on this team to be in the conversation for Caleb Williams. I see people talking on like the Broncos page like oh trade everything you have this next year to get 2024 picks then you can go trade up for caleb williams you're not trading i don't think you're going to trade for caleb williams you earn caleb williams by being the worst team in football yeah and getting uh, that it's first hard pick. to believe someone would come out of the it, they'd pull a josh rosen thing where if let's say someone picked will levis the houston texans take will levis number one and they still stink they're trading Will Levis. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> They're yeah. not trading the number one pick for Caleb Williams. They're trading Will Levis away. Yeah. Um, I, we're right at 30 minutes. I figure I should get to the guy that's on the cover photo of this. Pro Football Focus did a mock draft, and they, for the Falcons at number six, they used a guy that you brought to my attention last week saying, hey, check this out. It was uh, Jared Verse, uh, defensive end edge hybrid. He's he looks big to me. I didn't check his vitals, and I wanted to ask you about him, but he looks big. He looks like he could absolutely go 4-3 defensive end instead of 3-4 edge, but he looks versatile enough to be able to do both. Um, what do you know about him? They've got him taking uh, – that Miles Murphy's already gone, and they've got Jared Verse going at 6, uh, edge rusher defensive end from Florida State. Uh, what a fun player, um, Jared Verso. A fun path to the NFL, or to, well, I guess to the NFL. Uh, last last year, he was playing at Little Old Albany um, School, you know, Division Two football, um, and he had a, an incredible game against Syracuse, against uh, form our future NFL draft pick, probably day two uh, left tackle there, Matt Bergeron, who will probably end up in the guard in the NFL out there at Syracuse. It has an incredible year at Albany. Um, Albany goes really far. He looks like the best player on the field in the. North Dakota State uh, playoff game that they had uh, against the Bison out there. Transfers to Florida State, and he is just a menace. You put on that LSU tape this year, and LSU obviously are kind of coming together, but they ended up being a pretty solid team, and they always have talent. And he's just clowning uh, the tackles out there, catching these guys looking flat-footed because he packs so much punch and power um, at the point of attack. He's 6'4", 250, and um, the tape at the beginning of the year, I mean, he's just a menace. So much 
jewels <laughs> transferred um, when he makes contact uh, with these guys with these moves um, to get after the quarterback, a tenacious guy, really good edge setter as well against the run. Cause he is so strong and uh, dynamic player. He did suffer a knee injury uh, midway through the season. And you could see his uh, play drop a bit, not to the extent where he was missing time, but to the extent where it's like, okay, this isn't the same guy that I saw weeks one and two uh, watching the tape with him. But I mean, right now I see a lot of mock drafts have him out there in the twenties, 25 range. I think that he's his tape to me looks like a guy who's going to go in the top 10. Uh, just the, the power that he possesses. Uh, he's a, he's a f- very fun player and also an energy player too. I mean, he's, he's always chasing down backside pursuit. Uh, so I, I'm a big fan, big fan. Trevor Sikama at PFF pro football focus has him in the top 10. And that's the first time I've seen that for the Falcons. He also has Will Levis. Uh, no, he doesn't. I'm sorry. He has Will Levis going to the Colts over CJ Stroud at five. Uh, he says, Verse is one of my favorite players in this class, previously at FCS Albany, uh, transformed his body and gained 40 pounds during COVID, went from 210 to 250, was named all-conference player of the season, uh, Florida State, lone season in FBS, not only looked overwhelmed, but he dominated when healthy, feels like a total package at edge rusher. I was a very big fan of Jermaine Johnson, um, who came out of Florida State and is having a good year, I believe, with the Jets. Mm-hmm. I think the Jets took him. Yep. Uh, I just remember kind of checking on the name and being okay. His numbers are looking good. The, the reviews are good. Um, but I like. I thought Jermaine looked a little bit more twitchy, a little more bounce to his step to him, maybe just a shade more length. But Verse looked bigger to me. Yeah. He looked. He looked like you know they say two fifty, but he looks bigger to me. And and that would be. I'm still looking for that hair on fire six five edge rusher. You know, what Randy Gregory, what you're hoping he would be. <laughs> a Miles Garrett type. They don't come around very often is the problem, but that's the guy I would love for the Falcons. But this looks like a good fit because of his versatility against a run. I loved how he was able to use his hands. He's really, really good at dispatching the first guy in front of him and setting the edge. He's like, okay, he's not just pin my ears back, all athleticism. He's handle the guy in front of me with strength and technique and do my job, which is an underrated quality in, in when you're looking at these guys uh, in, in a three, in a three, five edge. Yeah. I, he's, I think you can play four, three, three, four, it's at the edge, do a lot of hybrid stuff out there. Also with how much power he has, I think he'd be very fun in the twist and stunt game. I mean, he could carry a tackle and a guard across and then have a looping defensive tackle on the other side. Um, Grady Jarrett p- perhaps um, come around with a lane to the quarterback on the edge. So, uh, I really enjoy his game. I don't think he's the longest player watching him. I don't think he has the length that Jermaine Johnson possessed, but I think he's a much more built and powerful player uh, mm-hmm. than Jermaine Johnson. Jermaine Johnson made a living at Florida State playing a lot of that wide nine technique, having mm-hmm. that really easy arc to the quarterback, had struggled at Georgia with more of the five technique stuff they asked him to do in that Trevon Walker role. I think Verse could play that five technique role. The length is a bit of a question mark with the power, the pop he has, the leverage that he plays with is great. Um, I still think he's a little bit raw sometimes in his diagnostics of the game, um, especially if the teams are like RPOing him on the side or re- zone read option, just kind of deconstructing what he needs to do against that block. Uh, sometimes was a little bit hit or miss. Now it looked like it was a little bit more of a problem after he tweaked that knee, um, which is something that teams are going to have to pull back. But yeah, he's a, he's a great talent and a class of great edge rushers. He's kind of not getting the props that I think he will be getting closer to the uh, closer to April. I hope he's going to do – he might be resting that knee, but I hope he does senior bowl stuff down there. That's where I saw Jermaine Johnson really pop. I don't know if he's a if he's an he's invite young. accept or not. I think he's a redshirt sophomore by definition, so I don't okay. know if he <laughs> – well, well, if he was 19 as a freshman, 2020 coming out of COVID as a junior, he's – In the COVID year, I don't think Albany had football. So he's okay. a year older with still the eligibility because they didn't play. So, okay. yeah. Nathan Floyd comes in and, you know, one of the words that I really don't like, but it, it works is trigger. This one's going to trigger me for you, Nathan. You might enjoy this. It says watching different podcasts for other teams around the NFL. Why do I keep hearing people talk about trading for pits? Because two years ago, drafting a pass catcher when you've got no offensive line, the suspect quarterback and no defense and underutilizing a guy who's going to catch passes was a bad trade. It was a bad draft strategy. He has been underutilized in this offense because you had a bad offensive line, question marks, a quarterback, and no off, no defense. So he's been underutilized, and you've burned through two years of his career 
before you can even think, and you still have questions at quarterback going into 2023, before you can even think of starting to untap the full potential of Kyle Pitts. He's in the third year of a five of five years of control. That was a very questionable type of draft pick. Win now, win now. My ass. That just drove me nuts. The national, the, the national uh, talk around that pick was just asinine. Now, if you want to talk to me about, hey, he's 20 years old and Arthur Blank will lock this guy up for his entire career. And when he's 23 or 24 and really starting to figure it out when the Falcons are ready to go, I'll listen. I'll listen. But it's because he's been underutilized because the Falcons didn't have the personnel to take advantage of his talent. Yeah. I mean, also tight ends typically take a little bit, and you've had last year a quarterback that couldn't really move with a leaky offensive line, not getting him the football, and then this season a quarterback who was not really giving him much of a chance when he is covered. I mean, he's above the rim kind of guy, and Mariota was pretty risk-averse with some of those throws and just the timing, the touch. I mean, just just not there. So this is a long-term pick uh, with Kyle Pitts. And and so is Drake London. He was young, too. You know, we're not talking about we, – we just mentioned that some of the redshirt guys and, and some of the guys coming – you take a look at Kayla McGarry and Chris Lindstrom. Uh, they're both drafted in the same class. McGarry's two years older than Lindstrom. Um, you look at someone like Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley, if he gets, once he plays through this contract, I think he'll turn 29 this December. His first year in his next contract, he'll be 30. In his second contract in the NFL, his first year of his second contract, he'll be 30 years old. This Kyle Pitts was 20 when he took his first snap. Um, and, And as Kevin Mapp says, Pitts was a bad pick for the time, but he's a great player. He's a keeper. Again, yeah, I would have gone Justin Fields. At the time, I think it's easier to find pass catchers than it is to find quarterbacks and getting your quarterback, getting your franchise quarterback. And I can roll this back two years because I've been saying it over and over and over again. It's expensive. It's expensive to trade up into the top five. It's expensive to try and trade for one. It's And they don't become free agents. They just don't. So when you've got the chance to get your guy at four, take him. Mm-hmm. Take that chance. Or if you had your chance at nine, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, to that point, I, I make fun of the nine. That was the Denver Broncos. They got an all-pro corner. The Falcons got a, a, a Pro Bowl tight end. A, and I don't even say tight end because that's that's doing them an injustice. Pass catcher. It's like saying, you know, we talk about the positional value of the tight end. There is no positional value for game changers. Travis Kelsey is not just a tight end. He's a game changer. You can get that. I don't care if he's a tight end or if he's a wide receiver. He, he's he's changing the way you play the game, but you weren't ready to take advantage of his. You weren't your team was not in the position to take advantage of his talents, and they still might not be. That's what's that's what you're afraid of. They still might not be into year three. They still might not have the quarterback position sorted enough to take advantage and the help around him. So he's not seeing triple coverage and being bracketed. The help around him to take advantage of a guy like Kyle Pitts. That's why people are saying, hey. Falcons can't use him. Maybe we'll send him a bunch of picks and help with their rebound and we get Kyle Pitts. Yeah, he's it wouldn't make sense. Yeah. Maybe you're talking to the team still, you know, struggling, you know, running on ice uh, two years from now with the contract dwindling down, then maybe, but you still have three years, four years of control if you consider the uh the franchise tag as well. Um just doesn't line up right now. You keep the talent. Um, Ryan coming in saying, Don't you think if Trey Lance was there at four, the Falcons would have gotten him? I think he was the plan from the beginning. The 49ers gave up all of those picks did sound like there was a lot of Trey Lance smoke for Atlanta, but we'll, we'll never know for sure unless you uh, get in the building. But, uh, and also I'm still way too early (laughs) to Trey Lance, but I mean, just talk about, you know, the COVID year that he had being out, uh, the sitting last year, the injury this year. I mean, maybe the train never leaves the station for him. (laughs) Who knows? Exactly. You know, Nick, that's what I'm with you. I'm like, do I think the plan was Trey Lance? I hope not. I mean, no offense to Trey Lance, but that was a mystery pick. To me, I mean, one year of what, what I don't even know what alphabet soup division he played in FBS, FC, FCS. It was North Dakota State. So let's give him a little credit because they, but that's FCS, right? That's, yeah, they've, that's what they've we been used to called one double A. One season there. Um, you know, I, I think people, you know, you, you see the knee jerk reaction to Sean McVay and everybody wants to go get the. I look back to the water boy. It's like not the only one trying to find talent in strange places. Michigan is experimenting with their towel boy and you know, they see him get lit up. Yeah. 
that's what happens. Sean McVay has the success. Let me see where I can get the next 33-year-old wonderkin, and you hire a bunch of those, and they all fail. So Josh Allen, whoa, that really worked. Let's get the next Josh Allen. Doesn't work that way, man. Yeah. You know, he plays one season of football. He's raw as can be. Number three, if you're sitting there and you take him, that's one thing. But the 49ers to give up three first-round picks to do it? Yeah, that's... Man. Give me and Justin have... Fields all day long, all day long in that spot. Maybe yeah. Trey Lance becomes something. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't. Hey, well, maybe you guys... never know. <laughs> maybe you trade for him. Uh, now that the you know, they have Brock Purdy out there, Jimmy Garoppolo seemed like uh, there was a power struggle there in the 49ers where Kyle Shanahan was more interested in Mac Jones uh, in the front office wanted Trey Lance. Maybe you can get Trey Lance for your first round pick or, you know, second round pick this year and a second round pick next year. You know, that's, I think he'd be very fascinating uh, in the Arthur Smith offense because he is built like a linebacker. Um, and one of the three reasons and he was a mystery pick with the low volume of plays against FCS, but he was being asked a lot mentally um, in that North Dakota state offense compared to what some other quarterbacks are um, a lot of mid middle of the field concepts, you know, the drop back play action game, full field reads. So I mean, God, we could go on forever about the nuances. I like, of the I like what I saw. Don't get me wrong. I could see why it was tantalizing, but to be the yeah. 49ers and, and to say him over Justin Fields. Yeah, that wasn't for that one. That didn't make that. That was a no for me. Now, if you were to say, you know, if, if he's there at four and Fields is already gone. Okay. You know, okay. Get your quarterback. Yeah. It'd be a perfect situation to get a raw quarterback that you have some questions about because you're going to play one year under Matt Ryan. Perfect situation to do that, but we're we're rehashing. I feel like I've done the show before already. <laughs> Nathan says, "Do you think there's any chance that Grady and or Pitts request a trade in the off season? Grady might very quietly, and if we do, we may never hear about it unless it comes out after the fact. You know, hey, we wanted to do right. I don't expect to hear him on first take or whatever blah blah show is on where." Julio comes in and says, man, I got to get out of there. And I still don't think he knew he was on air. Um, I got to get out of there. I'm, I'm gone. Um, I don't expect that to ever happen. Great. Grady is way too much of a professional and way too classy to do that. And like I said, I'm not throwing Julio under the bus. I don't think he knew he was on air. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, and Pitts, it doesn't matter. You're a rookie and I can control you for the next five years. So I control your rights. You're you have no say you're a third year rookie. And I can, I got three more, three more years plus two tag years. I can use on you. I got you for five more years. You may want out, but it's not up to you. Grady has a little bit more say in the thing. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Pitts is going to be here that he's part of the long-term building blocks contractually. It doesn't make any sense to move him yet unless he was outright revolting and being a horrible person in the locker room. Uh, then maybe you have to have that conversation, but that, tanks your value later on um, for another contract or stuff. If you're that bad, I mean, that doesn't just, that doesn't just known. It's not also given his age. It's not like he's like 30 years old doing crunches in the parking lot, taking an interview is kind of prima Donna where he's proven that he can be that guy also <laughs> with Terrell Owens. So, so um, I, I can't see that happening with pits. I don't know where all this pits trade talk is coming. It seems asinine. Yeah. To well, me. Nathan says he's listens to some other teams and they're, they're talking about, Hey, maybe we can target Kyle Pitts. That's, that's fine. It's going to cost you two first round picks. It's wish casting. I don't. I, yeah, I don't know. I might be a couple, but you, you talk to me about two first round picks, and I'll listen. But that's what it's going to take for you, Kyle Pitts, for me. And it has, two, can't not even two. two first round picks. They need to be one of them needs to be early. Uh, yeah, well. like we can't like <laughs> yeah, two I'm picks not talking, in the 30s. I'm not talking trading with the Bills for thirty one and thirty next. You know, the next yeah. year. I'm talking premium premium picks two yeah. for me to answer the phone. Yeah, exactly. you know, someone's on the phone. They want over two. That, that's that that gets me to answer the phone. Um. But Ryan says the blueprint for winning is the 49ers. They're on their third quarterback and still beating teams. We're on our second quarterback and we can't win a game except against the 49ers. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm just teasing. That 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 goes to depth, Ryan, and the, the talent that you've built into those spots. Uh, I don't know if you're listening to Monday, but I'm going through the players on the, the, the snap counts, and I'm not naming their names. I'm just naming how they were acquired. And these players on defense, it was practice squad. Picked up from someone else's practice squad. Signed as a, a minimum veteran minimum free agent off the waiver wire from the Bears. And then I could say that about three more times. Uh, and then, oh, this was a guy that was waived by the, the Tennessee Titans. Because if, if it wasn't Bears, it was Titans. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, and then fifth round pick Grady Jarrett. Okay, that's a uh, first round pick AJ Terrell, second round pick Richie Grant. After that, man, and then rookie, <laughs> rookie, rookie. Uh, it's just it takes it takes a little time. This team again, ninety two million dollars. Let me see. I want to see what um, if you look at it. And I had this conversation. Someone stop making excuses. Uh, stop making excuses for um, for Arthur Smith. He stinks. All right. Well. Fine, you, we, we may see otherwise. I disagree, but these are, when we when I sort by active uh, salaries, what teams have the most money on the field, I'm going to go from 32 up to 27, and tell me if you hear a common theme here on which teams have the least amount of money on the field because their salary cap and injury situation has crippled them. Chicago Bears are last. Atlanta Falcons, second to last. L.A. Rams, third. Arizona Cardinals, four. Houston Texans, five. Denver Broncos, six. Bad teams. Those are six of the top seven worst records in the NFL. Yeah. The seventh being the Indianapolis Colts. Six of the top seven. So, yeah, Ryan, it, it's, it's going to take a little time. It's going to take a little free agent money. Uh, it's going to take some good scouting and, and hitting on the draft. But if I am strong in the trenches and I've got good playmakers, I can get a manager at quarterback to oversee a game and the rest can win. I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Yep, it's a big deal. Um, and it's hard to win football games um, with that. It's not excuses. It's just, you know, it's a team that's rebuilding. And the fact that their offensive output is this good with, you know, playing Mariota, who looked that bad at the eye test and uh, the issues that uh, – wide receiver pass catchers around Drake London, still manufacturing offense. You've been playing above your head in this season. Um, so for the talent level, um, and that goes to coaching. So uh, Kenneth coming in here, who is proving to be the worst free agent signing this year, not including the trade for Russ than the extension they gave him, man. I don't know. Um, Scott, fill, fill air for Which a second. Jones did the Raiders get? That was Chandler Jones, right? Oh yeah. Yep. That's There's been your number fourth. one. I always get him and Chris Jones a little confused. Chris Jones is a good player with Kansas City. Chandler Jones is defensive tackle at LA, right? Las Vegas, I'm sorry. I've that was two moves ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would I would say that Chandler Jones and uh the, the Raiders might be the Chandler Jones immediately the springs to mind for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um that's gonna be hard to top that one. Uh, they're just looking over the list. Nathan Can't asks, really resign McGarry or get Jawan Taylor from the Jaguars. I'm happy with McGarry. Uh, yeah. But again, it comes down to what's it going to cost. Um, I'd be pretty I'd be pretty happy resigning McGarry. Um, I don't know if you get much of a hometown discount. You might get a little bit of one, you know, a million here or there. I don't think that's going to be the, the deciding factor. Um, to be fair, I don't know as much about Jawan Taylor. Yeah. Uh, a few other names that signed out would be not great free agency signings this season. Randy Gregory, obviously been injured in the fighting on the field and stuff. That's been ugly. Obviously, the deal, we talk about it. There's some nuance to that, but still, that one has not been great. Yeah, that one's about two years and 30. Chandler got more than that, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the other one, uh, J.C. Jackson with the Chargers, been injured, has not really played that great for them. Um, he, he's been a bit of a disappointment out there uh, for the uh, the Chargers, so... Um, those are all AFC West teams. Um, the best division ever, right? Um, that uh, let down in that one. Kevin Mapp says Quinn was all talk and no results. I disagree. I, I disagree. Quinn Quinn took this team to a Super Bowl. That's no easy feat. Um, you know, they were they were an unbalanced team that the defense got hot. Um, the best the best Falcons team that we've had in in, in basically the last twenty something years was 13 and three, the team that got blown out by uh, the Green Bay Packers and then Dimitrov mortgaged the future for Julio Jones for a team that gave up 50 points. Um, That was the, a very good indication of what was to come for the next 10 years. Um, But Quinn, I think Quinn did a good job. Um, He was let down by his general manager and he had some faults of his own. Don't get me wrong, clock management, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, the general manager's lack of investment in the defense in the trenches was big. And then his hiring of Steve Sarkeesian and his refute and, and then not firing the next season. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian was a terrible hire. Terrible. I don't know if we've talked about this before on here, Falcons fans. 
if you look at that staff uh, on that team, three of those guys are head coaches. I, I, three of them right now. Kyle Shanahan was on that staff, head coach. Okay, he was going to be a head coach. So you're not going to be able to keep him. Mike McDaniels is on that staff. Both LaFleurs are on that staff. Uh, I think there was one more that I think you could have promoted, but there was, instead of taking one of these guys that have descended their way up into the NFL after off of that 2016 coaching staff, you brought in a disgraced former failure, a disgraced failure at the college ranks at USC who'd never been an NFL coordinator to run the number one offense in, in the league. That was the undoing of Dan Quinn for me. That was when, that was when he lost me and then didn't fire him. I was like, okay, well, this team's done. This team is done when you're going to stick by him after he engineered the biggest drop off in the number one offense in the history of the NFL was from 16 to 17. That was the biggest drop off in history and didn't fire him. Sounds like that the Hawkeyes. That was in. That was the end of Dan Quinn. And Sark's now at Texas, right? Am I incorrect with that one? I don't even pay attention. Sark is at him. Texas for now, underachieving. For now. He just keeps falling his way into million dollar jobs. Like I, I've compared Sarkeesian and Josh McDaniels, very similar guys. They they just they keep failing their way into better things. It's crazy. Yeah, that's uh that is crazy. Well, um, before we wrap it on up here, um, a little college bull talk here today. Maybe something for you Falcons fans who are curious about quarterbacks. Not this year, but sounds like next year. Um, you have a pretty interesting quarterback battle tonight. I, I believe both these guys are going to be playing. Um, it'll be at eight o'clock for you guys out there, I believe. But we have North Carolina taking on Oregon. Uh, you guys probably know Bo Nix out there on the that coast, but he had a pretty damn good season uh, for the Ducks this year um, to mm-hmm. the point where I think he could have been a day two pick this year. Sounds like he might go back. Um, Oregon has unbelievable money they're throwing at people right now um, to keep players. That's the uh, Nike money. We've been talking about that for years. Now it's not under the table though. So mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, they're throwing out crazy money and the Bo Nix might be back. And then you have all this talk for Caleb Williams, rightfully so, but uh, Drake may probably would have been the number one quarterback in this year's class. If he was able to come back based on what some people like, uh, Dane Brugler have been hearing from NFL connections. So uh, Drake May is the quarterback for um, North Carolina. I think it was, gosh, who's the coach at Pitt right now? Narduzzi uh, said that he's, know. okay, I think it's Pat Narduzzi. Um, and he threw out an allegation uh, a couple weeks ago about how the transfer portal is, you know, a real issue for tampering right now on players and that some teams were offering Drake May $5 million a year. And uh, Drake May, I think the collective at North Carolina was able to come together and bump his uh, payment a bit to keep him from transferring to a Georgia or to an <laughs> Alabama uh, for one more year at North Carolina. So uh, Drake may uh, Bo Nix, pretty darn good quarterback battle in that game. I'd be, I'd be tuning in for that one. That's probably one of the best bowl matchups we've had this season uh, to date. I, I love it. Honestly, I really do. All of these guys getting their pennies in a wad about these players who we've been making billions off of now making, getting a, small piece of that and being treated like the professionals they're being treated like it's like I was like everybody can leave for a better job except the players everybody Mm -hmm. the team manager can get a promotion and go he can go we know about the coaches for god's sakes uh but not the players I love it I absolutely love it and we'll see how much longer how much how much how sustainable this system is going to be before it either settles in or blows up completely. It'll be uh, very interesting. On that note, we are going to get out of here. We're right out an hour. Thanks so much. It's a great conversation today, y'all. Um, if you want to listen after the fact or want to send it to a friend, go to falconspodcast.com and say, hey, check this out. Scott and Nick are good, and they talked about us a lot. So um, we'll be doing a lot. When we come back, we will do uh, – we will probably do when we come back from the break on January 2nd, we'll probably move Mondays to uh, NFL stuff, more NFL draft talk, not just necessarily Falcon centric, but top 10 mocks and, and everything. And then on Wednesday, we'll go back to the Falcons. So we'll start focusing on more NFL news and notes. We'll start talking some playoffs. We'll start talking drafts, senior bowls coming up, all that type of stuff on Monday, January 2nd, because the next time we'll see y'all, it'll be 2023. How about that? So everybody, thanks for being here. Nathan says, "Didn't Georgia beat Bo Nix like a into the like five times?" 
I think yeah. half of his interceptions, 15 of them came against the University of Georgia. And yeah, I went Georgia. to Auburn, so I, I know all about Bo Nix's struggles. Um, yeah. But on that note, we are going to get out of here. I hope everybody has a great rest of this holiday week and I uh, hope you're getting to t- spend some time with friends and family. Uh, Nick and I will be back on Broncos for breakfast tomorrow when there is so much to talk about. We went 80 minutes yesterday. So Broncos for breakfast Thursday morning on the YouTube Mile High Huddle. Check us out. Otherwise, we will see you Monday to talk draft order. We'll probably do our first mock draft of the year and all those type of things. So until that ne- until next time, Happy New Year, y'all.